Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now, we've been busy with the sermon series called Fearless. How many of you have enjoyed the first two weeks? If you have actually caught... Uh, who could actually caught uh, the live stream. I know not everybody can watch the live stream, but the great news is if you haven't caught the first two sermons, it's still free on the internet, on our SoundCloud account. It's still free on YouTube. So you can go and watch me um, speaking to my iPhone on YouTube. <laughs> and, uh, but it's on there. I've really enjoyed this series. Why? Because I preach to myself. I spoke to myself so much, and it's a topic that we need to speak about more, I believe honest and you'll see today now let me give you a bit of a recap a recap on what we've done is it okay because this is our last week this is week three that, that we're going to speak about fearless and next week we'll dive into something new but i want to give you a re- recap a quick recap on week one and week two is it okay just a quick one week one we spoke about killing your giant remember that i spoke about i took the old the old story out of the history, and I spoke again about David and Goliath. And I spoke about David, and I love the story about David. I mean, you can speak weeks and weeks and weeks about David. And just about David and Goliath was just the start of one incredible life. Now, I spoke about fearless. I started out with fearless. What is the definition of the word fearless? It's to be brave. It's to be heroic. But the one I really like is to have a lion heart is to have the heart of a lion. How, how many of you have been to the wild, the Kruger National or whatever, and you've seen a lion? Have you ever seen a fearful lion in your life? I think if you walk around the corner and you walk into a lion, I know who would be the fearful one. <laughs> it would not be the lion. It would be me. And it's actually said that, that inherently a lion is fearful of nothing. If you, look, if you speak about the lion trainers all over the world, they say there is nothing a lion fears. And he only runs when he's outnumbered. But it's not because he's fearful. It's because he's outnumbered. Now, now I believe that how God created us in this world is to have a lion heart. That's how God created. That's the DNA we have to be fearless believers, stepping up to that plate and knocking fear for a six or for a home run or whatever context you want to speak about. That's our DNA. That, that's how we were created in life, is to be fearless. Now week one, we looked at David and Goliath. We looked at the soldiers, the Israelite soldiers, who was pacified with fear of a man, a giant, shouting at them for 40 days till David arrived. Now the amazing thing is Israel, the Israel army, had a peloton of soldiers who were better at slingshots than David. That was, they were trained at it. It was a slingshot peloton. That's what they did. Did you know that? And still they were fearful to Goliath, but David came in with a different, came in with a different spirit. And so many of us got to get to that point where we are pacified by fear. I don't know about you. I've been there. We all have been there. That you have pacified by fear. You forget everything, every word, every scripture, everything. You forget everything. You're just pacified with fear. And that's exactly where the soldiers was. I spoke about three things in week one. Fear blinds us to reality. Fear kills our confidence and it steals our identity. 
Now, if you want to know more about those three points, go and listen to the sermon. It's on there. It's free. Go and share it. But you know what the difference was? David was fearless in defeating his giant because his focus was more on a God who makes things possible than the impossibility he faced. He was more in that than anything else. And this is our tagline for week, week one, and I love this. It's one of my taglines for the year. When we become fearless, remember it? When we become fearless, life becomes limitless. Remember that. When we become fearless, life becomes limitless. What limits you in life? It's maybe because you haven't stepped out into that place of being fearless to what God has called us to do. Now, week two, we looked at how to move from being fearful to being fearless. How do you move from being fearful to fearless? I spoke about one of, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and that's Gideon's 300. It's not the movie that was cool. It was Gideon's 300 men who did a mighty miracle. But it's all about Gideon who was captured by fear. He was sitting in a hole. He was scared. He, but it was not just him. It was the whole nation of Israel. He was captured by this, the, almost this, this oppressive environment of fear that was caught up into. And it's amazing how loving and patiently God came in and ministered to Gideon. Stand up, mighty warrior. Oh, but Lord, I'm the weakest of my need. And God was just patient with him. He was just so patient with him, helping him to see the truth. Now we looked at how God's presence never changed, no matter where you are. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, God's presence in your life never changed. It never does. And Gideon's shift came when God clothed him with power. Did you realize this morning when we sang that song, Your Love, O Lord? Could you feel the shift in atmosphere in that moment? I don't know if I was the only one. <laughs> but it was just, it was a shift in God's presence. Shifted something. And if you caught that thing, in that moment you clothed with power. You clothed with confidence. And there's no place for fear in that moment. Nothing. Now Gideon, what, what happened to shift, and I don't want to go into this, you can go listen to sermon. Gideon had to shift from fearful to fearless immediately when God started clothing him with power. But before God started clothing him with power, he started seeing the truth through the clutter of fear. And that's where it happened. See, Gideon went from complaining to worshiping God in the toughest moment of all. And that's why I trust God that we would move from complaining and meditating on fear to a place where we worship Him. And there's a shift in everything how we see life. Isn't that amazing? Now today is Sunday, but it's not the normal Sunday. It's Valentine's Day. And uh, if you have a wife or a girlfriend or husband, I hope you got him something. Mm-hmm. We always, uh, we always, <laughs> Stephen, don't worry, there's grace for you. There's grace for you, my friend. <laughs> now, today is Valentine's Day. Now, I'm not going to dive into the topic of Valentine's Day. Don't worry about it. But I do going to speak about love today. I do going to speak about love. And the topic of my fearless, last fearless sermon is love versus fear. 
Love versus fear. And it's not going to be the love versus fear sermon you, you think I'm going to preach. It's going to be something a bit different. And um, I'm just going to dive into it and enjoy this with you. Now, did you know that everything we hear and receive in life is filtered by either love or fear? That, that needs to sink in this morning. Everything we perceive, experience in life is filtered by either love or fear. It is. Everything that flows from our life flows from our life either with love or with fear. Did you know that? <laughs> now, as human beings, we have a filter. And I woke up one morning, God spoke to me very clearly. I remember. God said to me, what is your filter? And I was like, Lord, what do you mean? And I started praying through this. And I realized that we have a filter in life. And your filter is by which we give and receive in our lives. Through that filter. Yes, we have values that we filter life through. But before you get to your filter, your values through life, you filter through either love or fear. You either do. I will either, be, I will either have a love filter or a fear filter. Now I want you to, this is very important to catch this this morning. And it is not a permanent filter. Get this. It's not, okay, I'm going to install this filter. It's going to be permanent. No, unfortunately not. You choose that filter every day. Either love or fear. What filter are you choosing every day in your life? Now, love and fear is the two most defining things in every person's life. It is. It's the two most defining things in our lives because we're going to filter life through either fear or love. Now, Whichever one you choose in your life, will be, you will be manipulated by every day. <laughs> and it's so true. If, when I wrote this, I was like, man, Lord, it is so true because I am manipulated by fear when I'm fearful. I am manipulated by love when I'm feeling loved, when I'm experiencing Him. Now, I don't know if you know this. I actually read this, and I, I saw it's like, man, I never knew this. But do you know what is the number one command in Scripture? Love the Lord your God, I know that. But what is the number? Above that, there's one more. That God speaks to more. There's a command that was repeated by God more than anything else in the Bible. is do not fear. Do not fear. A command from Him. It's a command. Now, 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 why will the word be full of this command? Why would God speak about this more than anything else? Do not fear. Have you thought about that? I'm a question kind of. It's like, Lord, why do you... Why, can I tell you why? Because God is just exposing or revealing the number one tech tactic and weapon of the enemy, and which is fear. Enemy doesn't come with anything else but fear. Because when he gets you to fear, he's got you. You see, with this tactical weapon, the enemy disengages us from the life source. What is that? Our relationship with God. He disengages you with that connection to the Father as soon as you step over to that place of fear. Now, fear is a place where we actually agree with the enemy. Did you know that? We believe a lie. 
We believe a lie. And I spoke about it last week. Remember, God gave us authority, all authority, to cast out demons, heal the sick, um, cleanse the lepers. He gave us that authority. But the only way the enemy can get the authority is by lying to us. And as soon as we believe that lie, he's got a, a little opening in the door to come in and to oppress us. See, when we come in agreement with the enemy in terms of fear, we give him the right to oppress us. But see, God is exposing that tactics. He's busy exposing that thing. He's exposing the weapon and the tactics of the enemy. As soon as you open the word and you start reading life and reading scriptures in your life, then he's starting to expose that lies of the enemy. Now, when God says, do not fear, he's not saying what you're doing wrong. You need to, you need to hear this. He's not saying, oh, you're doing this wrong. Do not fear. Stop it. It's not a hiding... Uh, a, it's not one of those things. We're reading it wrong. What he's actually saying, he's opening up the grace he has given to us to be victorious against fear. He's not saying, oh, you're doing this wrong. He's opening up the grace. Now, now listen, listen carefully. You need to catch this. Grace do what? Grace empowers. We know that. Grace empowers us. Now look at this. Now if we look at this from a grace perspective, then we realize that it's not a command. It's not a command. God says, do this and do that. No, no, it's not a command. It is a partnership. It is a partnership where God gives the command that says, do not fear. And if we do not fear, He empowers us that we can do something that we previously couldn't do. You can step into a situation that is so fearful that suddenly you can step into this thing without fear knowing that I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Because there is a boldness and something in my heart that wasn't there previously because I stepped into that place of grace that says God is not a God who's waiting to give me a hiding. He's there to partner with me in a place of grace that says I am making you victorious over this thing. Do you know it? Does it make sense? See, the enemy wants us to fear, to make fear a priority. That's his, that's his focus. He wants you to make fear in your life a priority. Because that's the one of the biggest ways you can get an opening in your life to oppress you. And I can tell you so many testimony upon testimony upon testimony of small little children who grew up to be adults who believed a lie when they were 10, 13 and fear came into their life, and they struggled with anxiety. They struggled with, with homosexuality. They struggled with, with um, suicidal things because they opened a little bit of a door, believing a lie, and the enemy came in and he started oppressing. And they took that on as an identity. Now, the enemy wants to make that a, a priority because he wants to oppress us. Now, not have, now, having an emotion of fear is not sin. I want you to, to know that. Having an emotion of fear is not sin, but if you partner with that spirit of fear, it is. It's a big difference, because we can have emotions of fear, that's right, but it's not a sin, but as soon as you partner with that fear, that thing starts to oppress you. Does it make sense? I'm seeing you all look at me like this. I feel like I need to still convince you. I don't want to convince you, I want to I excite you about the Word and what, what an amazing, powerful way God is that he laid up something for us now listen to this we cannot afford to partner with fear 
Where is that? Are, are you? Okay. 2 Timothy 1.7. You all know the scriptures. And it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see, fear is a spirit. It's a spirit. And, and, and when we partner with that spirit, we give that spirit a right to oppress us. The only spirit I want to partner with is the Holy Spirit. But fear doesn't always start out with the, with the spirit. <laughs> Did you know that? It's just a simple emotion, a thought that comes up. It's not immediately a spirit. It starts out with your emotion, your thoughts, your thing, and then, and then we, we, we can work ourselves into that fearful moment. You have that thought, you have that thing, and then you start meditating on this fearful thing. You start feeding yourself with more fearful thoughts. And as soon as you get yourself, you're in this state of fear. Now, the enemy is attracted to fear like flies are attracted to bryflace. <laughs> bryflace. Flace. Meat. Did you know that? As soon as you get that meat out, there's flies. Where did you come from? Did you wait in a corner? That, but that's exactly the same as the enemy. The enemy, when he sees fear, he's on it. Why? Because he knows that's his opening into your life. He wants to come in. He wants to get you to a place where you're so fearful that he can get a foothold in your life. Now, some, sometimes we start to fear, and the enemy come in so quickly. Why? Because he's, he's got an agenda for you to partner with him to make your filter a fear filter. That's what he wants. Now listen to Isaiah 51.12. Now I want to I give you a bit of a different perspective this morning. Isaiah 51.12 says, I, yes I, am the one who comforts you. This is God speaking. Isaiah prophesying. So why are you afraid? It's a very short, powerful scripture. I, yes I, I'm the one who comforts you, so why are you afraid? Now, this is an interesting approach to fear. Very interesting. See, we think the Father will come to us and rub our back. And say, oh, don't worry. You're so amazing. I made you. You will be victorious. Oh, it's okay. I will whisper in your ear and you will be fine. No, no, we're looking for that. But see, God is actually standing in front of you and He says, listen, I am the one who comforts you. Can't you see how big I am? Can't you see how majestic is my ways? <laughs> you see, God is saying, God wants us to sometimes wake up and realize that we are choosing the inferior to the absolute manifest presence of God. God says, I'm standing in front of you. I'm the one who comforts you. Why are you choosing the inferior fear? When I am the one. I am the God of the universe. I am the one who killed this thing a long time ago when my son hung on a cross. I defeated it anyway. And it, I made you victorious anyway. So why are you missing this? See, it's a fatherly moment, this. When as I came and he prophesied this over the, the nation of Israel, I said, hey man, wake up. God is standing in front of you and says, I'm the one who comfort. Can't you see me? Look at Isaiah 54. 
You see, God will sometimes wants us to wake up and realize that we are choosing the inferior. Why? Because He is here to defend us. He's standing ready to defend us. Now look at Isaiah 54. It says, In righteousness you shall be established. Now, man, this is, this is a mouthful because I can tell you a lot in the context of Hebrew and Greek what righteousness means, but I'm not going to go into that. But, but it says, You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. Isn't that powerful? You shall be far from oppression because you shall not fear. Now, what is oppression? Let's go into that quickly. See, now I wrote this down, so I think it's a quote from Bill Johnson. He said, Oppression is that moment when we make an agreement with a lie and invite the atmosphere of darkness to influence our thoughts and our values. <laughs> Do you know that the kingdom of darkness can influence your thoughts? And your emotions. He wants to. The enemy wants to influence your thoughts and your emotions. That's his plan. That's his, that's his weapon. Now see, fear so many times starts with a bill in the post. Oh, I didn't know I have this bill. Where did this come from? How am I going to pay this? And then start, you start feeding upon this thing. Or you get a bad report. And you go and sit on your couch and you start feeding upon this report. And the enemy climbs on that thing. And, and it, it's a snowball effect. It's a snowball effect. How will I pay for this thing? I don't have enough money. I, I, can't, I, I almost can't make the month as it is. How will I pay this thing? How will I now do this? How will I get my children to do? I mean, I can go on and on. And before you know it, you're using fear as a filter to steer your life and steer your circumstances. What is your filter? You see, fear just messes up us in the worst possible way. <laughs> it just, I do. It messes us up because it connects us to a lie. It connects us to a lie that the enemy wants you to believe is not your identity. I'm not good enough. I'm overweight. Or, or I'm this. Or, or look at my nose. Or I'm, I'm just not a fun person to be around with. When did you start believing that lie? I want to look at three questions this morning, and I'm almost done. It's not a long sermon. <laughs> Maybe I've been long already. But I'll look at three questions this morning to help us understand how much more powerful love is than fear. How much more powerful? Number one is, what are we doing? <laughs> it is good. It's a good question. I was like, what am I doing? Now, what am I saying out of this? What are we doing in these fearful moments? That's the question. What are we doing in this fearful moments that we have? Oh, it's COVID. I need to do this. Oh, my neighbor now has COVID. He's in ICU. This guy, I mean, Lord, what do I do with this fearful moments in a time and an era in, in where, where fear is running rampant? You see, some issues keep our mind occupied. Our thoughts are going haywire, racing up and down. We can't stop thinking about this problem. Have you ever been there? I've got sleepless nights. I'm laying awake at night, rolling around. Uh, this thing is just, just, I'm just thinking about this. Have you ever been there? Now, if you've been there, the good thing is you know how to meditate then. We know how to meditate. Because we prove it to ourselves by not rolling around, not sleeping, thinking about this thing. We know how to meditate. Now, what do we do? We just need to change the subject of meditation. 
Change the subject. Change what you feed yourself on. Something that not, doesn't kill you but gives life. See, I catch myself so many times that I'm, I'm so meditating on the issue and the fear and the stuff. That's, and sometimes you have to deal with it. That's fine. But then you need to, in the mix, throw in some faithful things so that you don't meditate on the wrong thing. What are we doing? What are we doing? Listen to Colossians 3, 2, 3 verse 2. It says, set your mind on things that's above, not on the earth, not on, uh, beneath, not earthly things. Set your mind on things that's above. It's almost like the, the writer of, of Colossians says, make sure you think God things in your life. No matter what you step through. As David comes to Goliath, he see all these fearful men, men he looked up to, men, his, his brothers, who actually taught him to use a slingshot. He, his brothers he looked up to, he looked at all of them are pacified in fear. But see, he had a different focus. He was thinking godly things. His intimacy was connected to a father that says, everything for me is possible. For them, they looked at Goliath and said, oh, this is impossible. You see, sometimes we need to set our thing, our mind on the things above. So what do we do? We make sure we meditate on the right things. What do you meditate on? Number two, what do you receive? What do we receive in life? Now 1 John 4 verse 16 to 18 comes actually to, to one of my main scriptures of today. Now almost finished. I'm I'm just doing it last. <laughs> it says, verse 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. You know the scripture says God is love. He is love. He's not nothing else. He is love. Whenever we step into a relationship with God, what do we receive? Love. Because that's who God is. So he says, verse 16, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever loves lives in love like uh, sorry, whoever lives in love lives in love <laughs> lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment when he comes again. He says, "In this world we are like Jesus." Why did Jesus come to earth? Because he loved us. He loved us more than life itself to hang on a cross, to give us everything. And God loved us so much that he gave his son. That's how much he loved us. And then verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And in the Amplified Translation, the New King James says, drives out all fear. Every bit of fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So this is the question. How much of God's love do I have in my heart? How much of God's love do I have a revelation of in my heart? Because the bigger the revelation of God's love, the less fear will be in my life. Do, does it mean you're still going to fear? Probably. It's a constant filter you need to put in. It's a constant fight you need to fight every day. So what is the emphasis on this verse? What is it? Perfect loves drive out all fear. Now the word perfect there is defined as complete. 
Complete. Isn't that beautiful? It says, actually, the writer speaks about complete love. Nothing is missing in that love. Nothing can be added to that love that God has for us. Nothing. You see, love that completely drives out fear. So where is love completed? In Christ. What He has already done for us on the cross completed the total package of love in our lives. Now, this is the emphasis I want to make. Is I'm, I'm making sure that, that I'm in a place where I can receive the loving touch from God. Like we, we've been, in, 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 we've been in, um, in worship this morning. Did you experience the love of God when we sang about your love, O Lord, reaches to heavens? Man, that was just a wave of His love came in. His presence was here. And as soon as we receive that loving touch, and where do we receive it usually? In church, in fellowship, in church community, in friendships, in places where people love you the way God loves us. That's where we receive it. See, we need to be able to give away what we have received. Is that right? And as soon as you get to a place where you give away love as you've received it, in that moment, perfect love casts out fear. Do you get that? You see, we, it's not, I've always thought perfect love casts out fear. I'm going to sit here and God's going to love me and fear is going to go. But 99.9%, my fear has gone when somebody ministered love to me. It's a ser- place of serving. It's a place of giving what God has given me. See, we receive the fullness of God through Christ in the toughest of tough challenges. In that moment, we receive the love of God and then fear leaves. I remember when I went through, through burnout in my life, I had tremendous, I mean, anxiety and panic was knocking me for a six. It struck me to my core. I had so much anxiety, I didn't know what to do. I was using this and that. and I, was, I mean, I tried everything. But I was so depleted in terms of just burnout that I just couldn't handle it. But I remember there was one night that I was, I was so fearful, I really believed I'm going to die in this next few minutes. My wife was not there, my kids were sleeping. I remember, I don't know what to do. I was literally shaking with fear. And I called Sumeri's brother, one of my best friends. He's also a pastor there in America, but he was still in Cape Town. I called him and said, friend, you need to pray with me now. I feel like I'm dying. And he started praying with me and he started ministering to me in that moment, over the phone, not even with me. And within moments, that thing lift, lifted. And I realized that in that moment, he ministered the love of God to me. And because he ministered the love of God to me, love casted out all fear. You see, as soon as someone ministers to me in love, fear leaves. It needs to leave. Every time I went into anxiety or fear, I called my wife over and said, listen, pray with me, and we had communion. In that moment of communion where I received the love of Jesus in my life, fear left. It is incredible. It's like a, something lifts off you. Perfect love cast out all fear in a moment when we minister to each other, when we give God's love what we received. See, it changes my focus from the size of my issue to the size of my God. <laughs> How many times do we make that mistake? We make the issue this big and our God this small. 
No, no, it's, it's the other way around. God says, I'm the one who comforts you. Can't you see how big I am and how inferior the faith is or the fear is? Can't you see that? Now, Joel 3, verse 9 to 10 says the following. And I'm almost done. It says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat the plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Isn't that powerful? Let the weak say, I am strong. Number three, what are we saying? What are we speaking about? How does your words look like on a daily basis? See, I studied sports psychology. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a qualified sports scientist before I went into ministry and I did my master's degree in sports science. But part of my modules that I did was sports psychology. I love that. Still love it today. I'm still a mental coach with the sevens here in town. And, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to be, to be involved in places where God can use me to influence people with His love. But as I started um, sports psychology, one of our modules in sports psychology was positive self-talk. <laughs> it was quite funny. It's where you, they taught us to teach someone to speak to themselves and speak to themselves, do positive self-talk. And, like, and then they had us to you stand in front of a mirror, you look at yourself and say, you are amazing. You can do it. <laughs> you are a great whatever, engineer, you are going to be successful today. Now, now I believe in positive self-talk. It's weird, though, to speak to yourself in a mirror, but I believe in it. It's actually, it works, because you can see yourself believing in yourself, which is actually great. <laughs> Isn't it? It's, I mean, it makes sense. Sometimes I speak things, but I don't believe myself. Then I need to look at myself to see I can believe myself. That's a bit deep. I went a bit deep there. <laughs> But there is something different than this. There is something different when you take the Word of God that He gave us, the promises, the truth that He gave us, and we start proclaiming that truth over our lives. That is something different than just positive self-talk. God gave us the Word that is powerful and effective. That is so powerful that when you start speaking that, the enemy are trembling. Do you know that the devil and all the demons believe in the Word? They believe in the Word. But they tremble when the Word is spoken in faith. If the Word is spoken in fear, which also can happen, He laughs at us. Because I can also speak that in fear. Because I tremble when I hear the Word. But when you speak the Scriptures in faith, the enemy runs. He runs. Let the weak say, I am strong. Father, thank you that I am strong today. Your word promised that. I am an overcomer. I will be more than an overcomer. I start speaking that word in faith, and fear just goes. Let the weak say, I am strong. See, when we start to speak life and truth, scriptures of our, our situations, fear needs to bow its knee, and when it's not working, make sure you call someone. Don't fight this thing alone. God says two are better than one. There's, there's power when two or three gather in His name and speak truth over each other. Call someone. Phone a friend. It, have, it actually helps. It won't help you win a million rand, but it will help you defeat fear. 
Let the weak say I'm strong. See, God's strength, I need you to, to, to hear this this morning, God's strength in our lives becomes a reality when it is declared. Did you hear that? God's strength in our lives becomes a reality when it is declared. When you say it, I am strong, although you don't feel strong. See, it's a spiritual thing that you need to speak, although my body is not feeling it. That way you tremble with anxiety and fear and say, Father, I thank you. Although I'm not feeling it, my spirit overshadows, overflows into my soul. It's much more powerful than my physical body. And when I speak this truth, there's a fountain that starts running out of my spirit into my soul. And when that thing starts happening, when that word starts activate my spirit, starts activating my soul, then my body needs to bow. <laughs> it needs to change. Now, if you're like me, you wouldn't probably ask God this. Lord, why do you sometimes lead me then into this battle? <laughs> Lord, serious? Why, am I into, why do you lead me into this battle if you see there's a battle coming? Do you know why? I tell you the secret. I wish I knew this earlier in my life. See, if God takes us into a battle, it's because we are thoroughly equipped for victory. He knows it. When you're not in a battle, God is still equipping you. But when you step into that battle, and it's like, Lord, why do I feel, I'm in this battle, I feel weak. No, no, I've already equipped you for victory. Amen. That's why you're in this battle. So what are we doing in fearful moments? Let me just recap. We are meditating on the truth. As soon as Gideon started meditating on the truth, God clothed him with power, and his 32,000 men went to 300, and he whipped 120,000 soldiers. That's what happened. He started meditating on the truth. What do we receive? We step into that place of perfect, complete love for us. The love that compelled Jesus to endure the cross. The love that drives out fear whenever we serve others, ministers that love to others. What we receive, we give. Perfect love casts out all fear. And then what do we say? We declare that we are strong in the Lord. We declare today we are strong in the Lord. No matter what you face, no matter how money you need for this or for that or what God is doing here or there or what you need to do in your job and all your, I mean, everything that, Lord, I thank you. Although I feel weak, I know I'm strong in you. I know I'm strong in you. And I declare that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I start taking that word and say, Father, you are good. You know, the, the, there's a thing that I've got five of my best friends, and which is Sumer's brother is one of my best friends, and we communicate weekly, and, and we always said we had an accountability with each other. We have a toothpaste accountability. <laughs> Whatever they hear I'm saying knows that that's in here. The first thing that I, if I walk into my brother, the first thing he hears knows, he knows that's in my heart. So he would keep me accountable and said, Henny, whoa, whoa, I'm not hearing life. I know it's going tough. Thank you for sharing that, but let's speak life into that. And we keep each other accountable with that. And, 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 and it's such an important thing. It's like, well, though I'm weak, I'm strong. So if you, if you need someone to do a bit of toothpaste accountability with you, that yes, listen to what you say immediately when you see them, they will help you build truth and strength and fearlessness into your heart. 
Amen. Won't you stand with me? I'm going to pray with us. Okay. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You love us more than anything else, Father. And I thank you that as we pray this morning, I want to pray, Father, that, that you will help us to step out of a place of fearfulness today. And although we don't feel it, and we're just in a place where our spirit recognizes who we are, we know that you are the truth, the life, and the way. And that there's victory today in you. And Lord, I pray that you activate our spirits today, that, that we don't have to look for the bodily or physical manifestation, but that we will seek the spirit manifestation and see how you touch our lives and our emotions, our fears change to fearless. Father, I thank you that there's so much power in you. You are the God. You say, ah, yes, I am the one who comforts you. Why are you afraid? And Father, we want to confess, we want to declare, we want to say that, that we thank you that you are our comforter in everything in our lives. In everything in our lives. I want to invite you today, if you're here today, if there's something weighing you down, God knows and you know. But sometimes you need to take that thing that's weighing you down and place it in front of the throne and say, Father, I want to give you this. I've been walking with this for so long. I want to give you this now. This worry, this anxiety, this, this fear. What if fear? What if you're not showing up, Father? What if you are not coming through for me? What if, what if? I want to give that to you today, Father. We want to connect with you, Father God, and say, Father, we want to experience your love that is more than anything we can ask. Because we know that in a place of love, fear cannot stand. Fear cannot operate. And then there's a second group of people. I want, if you know that you've believed a lie in your life, that you're not good enough, that you're just going to be a fear, fearful one, and you're, gonna, you're not going to make it monthly, or you're, not gonna, you're never going to own everything, anything in your life, you're never going to be married, or whatever. I want you to, to give that lie back to the enemy and turn back to God and say, Father, what is your truth for me today? Father, I want to... Rel- Renounce that lie that the enemy has oppressed me for so long in my life. And I just want to, I just want to give you the opportunity to show me my identity. And know that you are the God who brings breakthrough. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.